everyone. Welcome to The Sorcerer's Orphan, a podcast created to dissect and explore the inner workings and inspired accidents that have helped the Flaming Lips write, create, and record some of our most iconic music and songs. I'm Stephen Droz, and I will be your host and your guide for this half hour of discussion and rememberings. Thank you for joining us. Here we go. Possibly our most iconic and most recognized song. This song's universal message of hope and optimism, while confronting the brutal realities of life, express a gentle poetic truth that has put it in a category of mainstream appeal and usefulness. Which for us at the time, in the year 2002, us being a freaky underground rock band, this came as a great surprise. At first, it was awkward being so accepted by a larger, more casual audience, but in time, we found ourselves appreciating how wonderful this actually is. Do You Realize, well, how do you say it, has gone on to become one of those songs that, say, your normal conservative sister-in-law would put in her wedding songs playlist, or perhaps a song that would be in your brother's homemade slideshow that he made of the birth of his child. Do You Realize has become part of these multi-purpose soundtracks used for weddings and funerals and other meaningful occasions. And this came as a great surprise to us. You see, in the beginning, it was just another cool song Wayne had written, and we were very keen to work on it. Coming up in this episode, we'll talk about the song's brutal but beautiful message. We'll talk about how it became the state rock song of Oklahoma. And I'll discuss the evolution from its simple folk song beginning to its final ornate production. We have a really, really great show ahead for you. But first, let's start where we always do. This song was written in the beginning of the summer of 2001, and we started to record it with Dave Fridman at Tarbox Road Studios starting on August 29th. The final mix was done in February 2002, and it was released a few months later, July 15th of the year 2002. Thank you. 
Let's go back to the end of the summer of the year 2000. Wayne writes the song called It's Summertime in the aftermath of the death of our dear Japanese friend Mutsuko. It's Summertime, though it is a very sad but optimistic song, to our great relief sounds nothing like the Soft Bulletin, our breakthrough album from 1999. And this song, It's Summertime, was for us at that time a kind of blueprint for our next album, an album mixing acoustic guitar with electronic beats. But as usual, we, the Flaming Lips, were going in three different directions all at the same time. You see, we were working on the music that would go on to become Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, the LP, and we were also working on the soundtrack to our movie Christmas on Mars, while at the same time contributing music and songs to Brad Beasley's movie Okie Noodling. So Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots is being envisioned as an acoustic album with rampant electronic beats and blips. The Christmas on Mars soundtrack was starting to become a dense, avant-garde, classical music-sounding album. And the Okie Noodling stuff would be more electric country music with cinematic Americana instrumentals. This is a little segment from the Christmas on Mars soundtrack. You can hear the influence of avant-garde classical composers like Giorgi Ligeti, Jerry Goldsmith, and Christoph Penderecki. And this is from the Okie Noodling soundtrack. Hearing the contrast and differences of these three pieces of music illustrates one of my favorite parts of being in the Flaming Lips. We are always, always trying new things and are often in a panic and lost and must shift focus and meet deadlines, which you might think would be bad, but actually makes it more fun and more random and more fresh for us. The concept that an artist must ascend to the isolated mountaintop, realize his vision, and then return with all the answers, well, that's just not our style. Don't know if that's anyone's style. But we did ascend to Dave Fridman's Tarbox Road Studios, which is kind of on a mountain with a batch of songs. And here is the actual demo for the song, It's Summertime. You can hear that Wayne's voice and the bird chirping survive all the way to the finished track, the way that it is now. This is June of 2000, and we don't know it yet, but we've started to work on what would become the LP Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. 
returned to Dave Freeman's studio in March of 2001, but we were jumping back and forth from Oklahoma to New York in a series of hurried but productive sessions. Of the 11 songs that make up the album Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, six of them, which is over half the album, have already been recorded by the time we are beginning to work on Do You Realize? Do You Realize is recorded in a slight hurry at the end of a two-week stint. This rush job probably helped us make quick decisions and reuse ideas and sounds we've been exploring for the past year. These are the drums from the actual multi-track session for Do You Realize? Hearing them on their own, they're more aggressive and propulsive than you'd expect. Here are the two main acoustic guitar tracks. One is playing eighth note downbeats, while the other is doing half note upstrums as a sort of counter rhythm. It's simple, but interesting how mellow it is against the aggressive drums. Voices, I think four or five of them, when isolated, Do you realize? sound sound pretty silly and cartoonish. Do you realize? Maybe it's the silliness in contrast with Wayne's more somber and sad lyrics Do you realize? that make the song feel so uplifting. And it has this reverby, layered, ghosty vocal in the background of the chorus. You can see why we were so excited to get the song mixed. So, in early September of 2001, we put a quick but inspired temporary mix on Do You Realize? Do You Realize is going to start to be heard by our friends and families and record company radio department people. It is, to our surprise, unanimously loved, and we are urged to leave it as it is. Which is not the way you would usually think of a radio single being made. The normal way is just the opposite. The normal way would have us spending a long, long time making the song, and then it would be endlessly back and forth with the record company, doing little changes to the mix to make it more radio-friendly. And it appears that in our haste, something magic has happened. You know, the one thing that's interesting about, about Do You Realize, which was really not common at that point, right? This is Tom Berry, head of the radio department at Warner Brothers from 1990 to 2010. He's talking about the alternative radio landscape in the year 2002. 
the other shit that was out, by the way, was stuff like, you know, a couple, a couple of good records like Jimmy Eat World, The Middle was really big, right? And that, that holds up, right? That's a great, that's a really great record. You know, Coldplay Clocks, Tori Amos, Tori Amos had a record there, 311, No Doubt, P.O.D. had a big record at the time. So you were kind of swimming upstream in a lot of ways. That's all pretty main, that's pretty mainstream shit compared to like when you think about that period of time for you guys and where you'd come from and what your history was. So Do You Realize is not a radio hit, but it does little by little start to have an impact. So we are getting ready to put out this album, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. And here's Wayne speaking about it today. And you do kind of get the feeling that people are embracing it. And, and, it, and of all the albums that we've probably ever put out, it's the most welcomed, you know, uh, right off the bat. And especially the, the song, Do You Realize? Which we didn't have that as an intention when we were making it or mixing it or anything it just it just really seemed to start to have a, a little bit of a universal appeal and it could be a song that you could not know anything about the flaming lips and maybe you would still like it or understand it and 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 so it's we were we 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 were becoming more noticed in the world people were starting to be interested in us and i think that this this time, right, you know, in 2002, um, when Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots came out, was just another, just another level that it, 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 and we were, we were ready to have another realm happen to us. Um, you know, that's part of it as well. Is 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 the, the idea that do you realize starts to show up in. In, in, in mainstream movies and in commercials uh, during the Super Bowl and stuff like that. All that was things that we embraced. Um, and maybe even three or four years earlier, we, we probably would have been embarrassed about those sorts of things. We were just, we were just more relaxed about what could happen uh, to one of our songs. And I think we we're just very lucky that the, the, the timing of it when it came out and who we were and what the song would come to mean, all that we just sort of felt like we were ready for another, uh, you know, version of what it would be like to be in the Flaming Lips. Do You Realize is starting to become a slightly cliched, how do you say it, Starbucks music type song. And you have to remember, this is the year 2002, and we still think we are considered weirdo fearless freaks. But a large part of our audience, we notice, is only there at our concerts to hear Do You Realize? And to our surprise, these more mainstream type people, once they hear it, love a lot of our other music as well. And we luckily chose not to fight this acceptance and push back against this newfound popularity. And perhaps the peak of this newfound popularity is in 2009, when Do You Realize is crowned the state rock song of Oklahoma. After the break, We'll come back and track this long, strange story. Oh my God, it's Flaming Lips' greatest hits. All my dreams coming true. It's got all my favorite songs. Like this one. 
Uh-oh, and this. Oh my god, and hard to find songs like this one. I'm so happy. The Flaming Lips Greatest Hits. Available on Warner Brothers Records. Get it now. One of the greatest bands in the universe. Playing one of the greatest albums in the universe. Playing at one of the greatest venues in the universe. With one of the greatest orchestras in the universe. The Flaming Lips! Playing their classic masterpiece album, The Soft Bulletin, with the Colorado Symphony, conducted by the legendary conductor, par excellence, Andre De Ritter. The Flaming Lips performed The Soft Bulletin live at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Available on Warner Records and Bella Union Records. Get it now. Thank you for listening. This is The Sorcerer's Orphan, a podcast where I, Stephen Drozd, dissect and discuss some of the Flaming Lips' most iconic music and songs. Most people know this, but not everyone knows this. The Flaming Lips were founded in 1983 in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and have always been from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and have never left Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And with that in mind, let's begin. On April 28, 2009, Do You Realize is, by executive order, proclaimed the official state rock song of Oklahoma by Governor Brad Henry. Yes, a strange and wonderful event. But you may ask, how in the world did this happen? Well, we're going to start at what we think is the beginning of the Flaming Lips representing a new attitude and a new appreciation for a different way of being a citizen in Oklahoma City. You know, I, I felt like the Flaming Lips were taking, you know, maybe just as much of a, a risk as we were because, you know, you guys are a little edgy and, you know, to suddenly be standing there with an elected official uh, might not appeal to everyone who buys your albums and buys your records and your songs. This is Mick Cornett. He was the mayor of Oklahoma City from 2004 till 2018. We spoke with him over the phone. Well, good. You know, I'm in an airport and I stepped into one of those family restrooms, you know, where I can close the door. But I, I think if they make an announcement, it'll still come in here. So <laughs> in the middle of it, you know, it may tell us what's now loading on gate B2. In 2007, we, the Flaming Lips, were awarded loyal hometown hero status by having a street named after us in the growing arts and entertainment district in downtown Oklahoma City. What we were trying to do is just kind of, you know, communicate to a larger audience, especially, you know, younger people, 
that we get it. You know, we, we don't want to be stuck in the past and have all of our streets named after people who are long gone. And secondly, I wanted us to acknowledge people that had chosen to live in Oklahoma City. In other words, Oklahomans through the years have tended to honor people who used to live there. In other words, they grew up and then they left for California or New York or somewhere else and became more famous. And we would honor them because they had been born or lived at one time in our city or our state. And I thought, you know, what if we started honoring people who have actually chosen to stay? I mean, they could live anywhere and they've chosen Oklahoma City. And of course, you were amongst the top of the list that uh, that had, you know, could obviously live anywhere they wanted, but wanted to live in Oklahoma City. And I thought, you know, that alone, having brought so much fame and fortune to the state and the city, uh, deserved, uh, you know, some sort of, of, uh, of street naming. And then it was just a matter of how do we do it and what do we do? That was the actual campaign jingle I made for David Holt, who is the current mayor of Oklahoma City. Now, this is about our city and how we see ourselves and what we're going to highlight and what we're going to embrace. David was the chief of staff to Mayor Mick Cornett back in 2006 when the street naming was being conceived. Here's what he had to say about it. What is it we can really do? So I start thinking about naming something after you. Um, And I can vividly remember us staring at a map uh, in his offices at downtown OKC and, and saying, like, what could we name? What could we name? And so eventually it hit me. And I noticed, hey, there's these alleyways in Bricktown that are very prominent. I mean, they're really streets, but but they've never even been named at all. Um, and that's kind of cool. You know, like that fits with the flaming lips anyways. So so I go to Mick, and obviously, to his credit, he says, great, go with it. You know, so we take it. We have to go through a process. You know, we. but it was controversial. I mean, people are pulling out your albums from the 80s with, you know, provocative song titles and stuff. Maybe he's talking about our song, Jesus Shootin' Heroin, from our 1986 album, Here It Is. It made a statement about what this city uh, is going to embrace, that we're going to embrace creativity and weirdness, and I swear that it, it changed the trajectory of, of our city and the way that we, that we were going to think about ourselves and portray ourselves, that we would do something like that. I, I, I consider it a very meaningful event. Okay, that's it. There's the story of how Flaming Lips Alley came to be. So Oklahoma City is changing, and this new vision of Oklahoma City is now being embraced statewide by all levels of the political establishment. It was a great song. It was right to recognize the song, right to recognize you guys, and and just bring that attention to it. This is Joe Dorman. He had a seat in the Oklahoma State House of Representatives from 2002 until 2014. He is credited with creating the legislation that led to Do You Realize becoming the state rock song of Oklahoma. Yes, and actually, I want to, uh, the credit goes to the Oklahoma History Center and uh, Dr. Bob Blackburn. They wanted to designate a state rock song and so they approached me about running the legislation to 
uh, create the competition, allow people to make nominations, and then the nominations were submitted and then a panel narrowed down those nominations and you guys and nine other songs were put forward as the 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 competition and then you guys overwhelmingly won the contest okay we're almost there the street naming in oklahoma city leads to a statewide vote for our song and we win and then the governor has to get involved oh absolutely I, i mean i think the the whole uh, naming of the, of the Flaming Lips Alley, which I thought was so cool, uh, was just a great event. It was it, it, it was a cool event, and it I think it highlighted uh, the coolness of Oklahoma City. And and um, you know what I was trying to do is convey, and what I wanted to do is to convey to the world that Oklahoma is a cool place, and nobody has a cool factor like the Flaming Lips. Speaking here is Brad Henry. He served two terms as governor of Oklahoma from 2003 to 2011. That's right. That's right. The legislature, there was a resolution, as, as you guys know, you all appeared at the Capitol. Uh, the Senate passed the resolution to make Do You Realize the State Rock Song by a vote of 46 to zero. Then it goes over to the House. And, of course, Michael Ivins had on his, his little T-shirt. Hold on. He said what? Michael Ivins had on his his neat little t-shirt. He's talking about the bass player in the Flaming Lips, Michael Ivins. Well, on the day that the legislation passes, Michael is photographed with virtually every member of the House of Representatives who are at the state capitol on that eventful day. And here's the controversial part. Michael is wearing a Soviet flag hammer and sickle t-shirt. You can even Google Michael Ivins hammer and sickle and get the story from there. I don't think it was the actual intention to uh, to cause an actual uproar. Here's Michael for a moment. I suppose it could have been any shirt, but then uh, well, yeah, what's, uh, what's the fun in that? And now back to the governor. Well, in actuality, the way it played out, was was better for Oklahoma. We got more national press. I mean, we were on NPR, we were on MTV, we were on uh, the the nightly news. We were on Rachel Maddow. We were. I mean, it, you know, it just went on and on and on. We got we got a lot of great play from it, and I think it made it made the state of Oklahoma look good. And as I said, uh, it's the only song ever to be made the state rock song in the history, the 113-year history of Oklahoma. The test is over. Now. How is it that a song that was released in 2002, seven years later, is deemed the state rock song of Oklahoma? Hmm. Do you realize, doesn't it first hit you like a state rock song? But I think that's why its believers so much believed in it. And I think it's deeper sentimental sadness contrasted with these scientific universal truisms is what makes it special. And this is a funny revealing of how Wayne's songwriting and my songwriting work together. If the Flaming Lips were to be compared to a molecular equation, perhaps we could be perceived as one part sentimental hokey folk singers, one part avant-garde psychedelic explorers, 
one part optimistic pop music cliche enthusiasts, one part drug philosophy pranksters, and one part children of the sun rock and roll burnout freaks. <laughs> hmm, that's a lot of parts so far, but I don't really think that's true. I think the main ingredient is really a pure innocence and a joy of just creating. Just creating. Just creating. Just creating. 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 And Wayne and I both share the love of going back into our younger psyche and playing with our imagination. So when Wayne first presented his primitive demo of Do You Realize to me, we listened to it together, and to me, its specialness was absolutely already there on the demo. But he questioned the line that ends the first verse, that says that everyone you know, someday, will die. He thought, is this too simple? Is this too blunt? But to me, again, this is what makes it special. And now now it's going badly, yeah. Let me break it down for you. To begin with, the song asks a question. Do you realize? We're off to a good start. first line, kind of romantic, that's cool. The second line, a typical Wayneism, a fun but factual cosmic comparison. Third line, this is a good, hokey, fun lyric that only the Flaming Lips would do. Fourth line. The fourth line. Bam. See? Sometimes that's all you need. So we concede. Okay, we've got a good song here. Let's get to work. Wayne's new song reminded me of this song. A song that we had done for a BBC session in London almost two years earlier. It's in the same key, the key of C major. With similar changes. And at the end of the song, it does this. It actually says, realize. And I remember at that time, we nodded to each other that we would hopefully turn this bit into a real song someday.
so that someday is now. Though Wayne had already written the bulk of the song, he had a desire to move it away from just being his initial set of simple chord changes. And with Dave Fribbin's encouragement, we started to insert some different shadings into the chord pattern. Here's the most changed bit. It's a subtle shift in the background chord progression underneath a melody that is not changing. Here's the second line of the verse with Wayne's simple original chords. Do you changed it to, here's the same thing, but you'll hear subtle shifts in the chords underneath. Do you And here's that same approach of changing the underlying chord progression that we used, but later in the song on the second chorus. I'll demonstrate here the first chorus with its original changes, and on the second chorus you'll hear how I changed all the chords to relative minor chords. the second chorus. We go from this to here. Let them know you This sort of thing is subtle when you are actually listening to it, but when you are being pulled along by a story and melody, and, as in Do You Realize, Wayne's lyrics and tone, these slightly different shadings of the chords that are behind those things can really have their greatest effect. Subliminal is not quite the right word, but it is just below you being able to be aware of it. Music has the ability to say the unsayable. I spoke with Wayne about this. This part of the podcast was recorded over the phone while he and his family are in self-imposed quarantine because of the coronavirus. Songwriting, um, how do you say it? It can be the voice of some kind of universal truth. But I don't really feel like that part of it is up to the songwriter. What I mean is like sometimes as a songwriter, you have something that you're trying to say. And you sit there and you try to say it by singing and playing and really just trying and trying. And this is the silly (coughs) cosmic part. I feel like the gods of the great songs sitting up there in where the gods are and they're always watching and listening to you and sometimes they just show you this (laughs) 
some kind of mercy and hand one of the great songs. They just hand it down to you. And all the great songs, you know, they're all made up of the same simple uh, flavors. And it's in, it's, it's, it is impossible to know what the amounts of these flavors are. Everybody has an idea of what, what they are, but you don't really know. So it's, you know, it's called songwriting. But really it's mostly singing and playing and then allowing that what you're singing and playing, you allow that to affect you while you're singing and playing. So you have an idea of what you're trying to say, but then you go to do it. And then as you're doing it, something else kind of happens to you. This is what I mean by wanting the gods of the songs to intervene. You're asking the gods to intervene, please, you know. Um, but this is the tricky part. I think the gods know that you have to be doing it without ego. You know, it, it really is. You have to be the servant of the song. They're never going to give you a song because the song is going to serve you. They will only give you a song if you will serve the song. And so, you know, they're allowing some deep, inarticulate stuff to be a part of your thing that you're trying to say and it would be it, it, it I feel like it's impossible to do it and to be aware of it at the same time you have to kind of just sing this is when the, the gods are intervening you have to kind of sing whatever it is that's coming into your open mind and and they know the gods know that it for you as a humble <laughs> human that this is horribly embarrassing and for the most part I think you feel ridiculous you know as a person channeling this or you know that you're the one that has to do it but to the person listening I think it, it's it's wonderful and so this is that's the process of of receiving it you know then once the gods have given you a song you know this is this is why uh, you know, as the flaming lips, uh, we go absolutely all the way and we try everything we can to give that song everything it needs to survive out there in the world. And that, in the end, I think, is probably our most sacred obligation, you know, as, as creators of things. Um, you know, you are oftentimes inspired to do something and you're, you're, you're enlightened to say, man, I want to I try that. But that's not the same thing as, as getting the getting the 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 zap the 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 un the unknowable the un the un the, the thing that you couldn't know you were going to say. And I don't really ever when this is happening. I don't think I always know. I don't I don't know what the songs mean. You know when we're when you're making the song when we're making a song. I don't really know what it means. And and. It usually it takes a couple of years, sometimes even longer, before I really know what a song is saying. And it, it's it's like I'm my future self. I'm talking to myself from my future self. Future self. Future self. 
Seattle. I'm in Seattle. We're like Coronaville right now. This is Ben Gibbard of the band Death Cab for Cutie. He spoke with Wayne and I just as the COVID-19 quarantine was starting. He was streaming a live-from-home performance and did a wonderful cover version of Do You Realize for a Sunday evening show. Yeah, I just kind of decided, like, you know, because I'm, I'm doing this for two weeks, I kind of got to stretch it out, right? You know, I was like, all right, Sunday will be all covers. Like, people sent me suggestions, and a, a lot of people sent me uh, Do You Realize. People were recommending songs, and then, you know, I'm kind of cheating a, cheating it a bit by doing songs that I also like. A lot of people were, were saying, like, yeah, you should do Do You Realize, and I was like, yeah, I totally should. Not only do I just fucking love that song, but it's just so apropos of what we're all going through right now. And I think one of the brilliant things about that tune is just, you know, what a, and I, I mean, this as a compliment. It's like one of the, one of these moments where you can kind of deliver a very simple lyric that says in very plain language, something that, you know, everybody needs to hear. And it doesn't come off cheesy at all. It just comes off as like incredibly earnest and heartfelt and, um, you know, it's one of the things I've always loved about that tune. Songs do this thing in our lives that other art forms just don't do. You know, when you're, when you're feeling down, you don't watch your favorite movie 10 times in a row. You know, you don't, like, read your favorite book, you know, 12 times in a row. for the end of our show. We have a lot of great people that helped us make this episode. We'd like to say thank you. First of all, we'd like to say thank you to Ben Gibbard. We'd like to thank Mark Marin, who, by the way, has his own incredible podcast called WTF. We'd like to thank him for his great voiceover work and our Soft Bulletin live commercial. Thank you, Mark. You know, someday we'll die. 
We'd like to say thank you to the former Warner Brothers radio rep, Tom Beery. We'd like to thank the current mayor of Oklahoma City, David Holt. And also the former mayor of Oklahoma City, Mick Cornett. Good things the former governor of Oklahoma, Brad Henry, and the former Oklahoma State House Representative, Joe Dorman. And last of all, we want to thank you, our fans, the great, great, greatest audience of all time. Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming today, you guys. See you some of you tomorrow, okay? Until next time, peace and punk rock forever. Woo! Woo! Yes, yes right. we did it. Woo! Number eight. Yee. Number eight now. Ah, ah, ah. Woof, woof.
do you 